0: Support for this podcast comes from the Phil Smith Center for Free Enterprise at the FAU College of Business. The Phil Smith Center for Free Enterprise supports the vision and strategic plan of the College of Business to advance thought leadership in business. The center supports chaired professorships and research, educational programs for faculty members and students, distinguished visiting faculty, along with a lecture series and other educational programs focused on the principles of free enterprise and how those principles affect growth and prosperity. Learn more at business.fau.edu forward slash Phil Smith.
1: Hello. My name is Dan Gropper, and I have the honor of serving as Dean of the College of Business here at Florida Atlantic University. And one of the great pleasures of being the Dean is to welcome exceptional new faculty to our College of Business and to our campus. And today, uh, we have the good fortune to meet Magno Carros. Now, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. He's a, a new a uh, seasoned assistant professor in information technology and operations management. Uh, and he comes to us most recently where he was an assistant professor at Utah State University. And so welcome, Magna. We're glad you're here in Boca, at Florida Atlantic.
2: Thank you for having me in the podcast in Gropper. Uh, it's my pleasure to join Florida Atlantic University.
1: Now, one of the things that we were uh, particularly impressed with Uh, with you in the interview process is that you already have a good publication record started. You've published in Journal of Strategic Information Systems, European Journal of Information Systems, Journal of the Association for Information Systems. So you really have a, a, a great record already for the the first couple of years, so if you keep on track with that, you should be in in good shape here. Uh, It's one of the things I love to see is people who've already established themselves a bit, so congratulations on that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your most, the, the most recent research project I see here is something about the alignment between information technology and the search for organizational agility. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by organizational agility and how information technology systems fits in with that.
2: Yeah, so the it always started with the, the issue of alignment, which is one of the topics that you mentioned. And that was actually the topic of my uh, PhD research. And at the time, I was looking, trying to understand how companies can align their information technology-based, their business strategy. And, uh it is a very complex problem because it involves both uh, IT decisions related to strategy, and you have the business strategy decisions and the market shifts. So I've done research over a, a few years on that, working on a project with colleagues uh, from MIT and from Loyola University Maryland. And the deeper we went into the alignment ch- challenge, we noticed that some companies they're just uh, they're just too and flexible. They were really struggling to deal with the changes in the market. So uh, achieving alignment is one thing. It's much harder to keep in alignment as market conditions shift. And that's how we ended up looking into the alignment and the agility problem because some companies, they just can't bend. And it's hard for them to be responsive to market changes. So the agility problem is looking at uh, three different aspects of the organizational response. So you have partnering agility, which is the ability of companies to identify and move forward with their partnerships. You have customer agility, which is, of course, when customer demands change, companies are very quick to react. And you have operational agility, which is more internal changes and how companies can adapt to that. The issue of agility brought a completely whole different set of issues for companies, because sometimes you have technology that's good today, but that technology can become old and become legacy systems and hold you back. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, one of the areas that I used to actually conduct my research in was about economies of scale in organizations and what were the sources of economies of scale. And so information systems typically would be a source of economies of scale, at least back a few years, particularly, because you could adopt these computer systems that really helped you run large organizations much more efficiently. But over the years, I think, in some cases... Uh, I know I've talked to business leaders who sometimes are frustrated. They feel like the IT systems sometimes get in the way mm-hmm. of them making strategic decisions quickly rather than functioning in their ideal. In the ideal situation, they would get you information quickly, systematically, cleanly. And so the leaders could make those, those decisions better, faster. Uh, and And more in alignment with executing their strategy, so that sounds like that's the broad area of your research that's really really important
2: yes, and it's I appreciate that you mentioned that. It's interesting that you mentioned this challenge there because I have a new a new piece of research that's currently under review that looks exactly at these challenges, uh looking at how large companies they can share. Uh, the decisions that they make about sharing uh, the infrastructure, right, the technology infrastructure, which is different from the apps that they share across the organization and the data. So I'm looking at large companies and how they share these different types of assets across different business units. And it was a, there is an interesting finding there that wasn't expected, which is companies that decide to share an IT infrastructure across the whole organization and they stop there, right? They stop with the infrastructure. That actually hurts the agility of the business units because what's going on is that there that, that is some kind of an imposition from the corporate parents because they wanted to achieve economies of scale, they wanted to reduce IT costs, but that, does, that doesn't necessarily help the business units to become more responsive to market changes, right? Only when they start to share the apps right? So now you have applications that multiple business units can leverage and you're sharing data. And now you have uh, the the knowledge sharing that can happen from there. Then you get those positive effects on agility. So that's a a piece of research that I'm very excited and uh, hopefully we'll move forward in that direction.
1: Yeah, I think that's That's incredibly um, important stuff for uh, senior managers to get and understand how their IT systems really interact, And, and it's one of the areas where there's sort of this difference between uh, a little bit between what the engineering school tends to do and the business school tends to do. We tend to focus a little bit more on how we facilitate decision-making by managers and the engineers are usually the ones who are writing the code and making sure the data is handled in a secure, structured way. And the the distinctions kind of blur. They kind of meet in the middle uh, somewhere and we have that kind of overlap. So, that's that's really interesting stuff. How did you get interested in that to start with? That's such a, that's a, thank you so much for this question. Actually, my background is in computer science. I
2: got my undergrad and master's degree in computer science. For my master's dissertation, I worked with Helet Packard on a project trying to uh, understand how managers could figure out in which systems to invest in. So it was a building decision making models to allocate the IS budgets. And that was 2009, 2010. And I went to present a paper at a conference in France and I met a professor there from Australia and he had a project. I was thinking about doing a PhD, but at the time I was still considering you know, working for HP or doing more of the IT management. Uh, but after the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, I could see how you know, HP was struggling to adapt And when I visit them in Bristol, in the UK, I could see the the strategy issues that they were discussing. And I got so excited with that that I decided to do a PhD in the business school. I went to Australia. I got my PhD there looking at IT business alignment from the strategy perspective, which I think it was very helpful to me because I moved from the technical background to the business. So when discussing this strategy or trying to understand these strategy issues, because I had the technical background, I could see where things were coming from, uh, and I think that really helped me to make a contribution more into the strategic domain.
1: Yeah, I, I will add that that I've come to to believe over my thirty five plus years uh, teaching in business schools. I worked for a while in the regulatory agency in the state of Florida, and then. Uh, in a consulting firm for three years. And just the understanding of how you take the translation of the theory and concepts that we teach in the business school and then apply them to those real-world questions, I think is incredibly valuable. And so it's my experience that people like you who've been out, worked for a number of years, make better researchers and better teachers because you can help our students understand you know, your experiences in, in the business world and how you've applied some of those tools and some of those methods and some of the theories and principles and help them see how they can be applied. So, great work on that. I'm glad you have that background. And, and Hewlett-Packard, of course, is one of the the uh, great companies and has you know it's had its ups and downs. At times, it was you know really really at the top, and uh, but it's a very very competitive area. Yeah. So so that kind of leads me a little bit into talking about your background. So you're originally from Brazil, is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. Or is it from Brazil?
1: Which part of Brazil? I've I've had the good fortune to be in Sao Paulo and uh, in Rio and taken. Groups of uh, MBA students down there on, on study trips. I've been there twice. Uh, so, which part of Rio? Are you from the coast yeah. or internal? It's a huge country, obviously. Yes.
2: Uh, I'm, I was born in Rio de Janeiro, beautiful Rio. And <laughs> I was a teenager when I, my family decided to move to northeast Brazil which ended up being a great thing for me because that's the region where we have a very good computer science school. I ended up, you know, enrolling and getting my college degree there. Uh, So, yeah, originally from Rio de Janeiro and then I spent many years in the northeast Brazil.
1: Which city in northeast Brazil? So it's a city called Campina Grande. So
2: it's close to Recife, which is a larger city. Recife, yeah. Yeah, so it's close to the coast. Uh, and warm as you might imagine
1: (laughs) very good very good so you have an undergraduate degree and a master's in computer science and then you said i guess at this conference you met this professor in from australia and so you ended up going there and earning your phd yeah that's correct and it was uh, a the most improbable uh, situation because
2: at the time when i went to that conference in france the plan was immediately immediately from France, go to the UK because I would spend a couple of weeks with HP Labs in Bristol. And at the time, I was very close to finishing my master's degree. And I thought that this would be a great opportunity because I'm finishing the master's, I'm visiting the company. I might end up staying with HP, uh, and, and but I still had that doubt in my head about should I pursue a PhD and you know, the, because of the financial crisis and I could see how companies were struggling to deal with some of the issues. That's how, that was the, the major motivation. And and meeting that professor, I think it was just meant to be, uh, he just approached me after my presentation, said, hey, I like what you're doing here. Do you have any plans after you complete your master's? So I think that was a very interesting meeting that changed my life, of course, because when I I. I when I sent him an email and we ended up figuring out a way for me to go to Australia, I was engaged at the time. So, you know, I got married with my wife and we both went to Australia, which changed her, completely her <laughs> life as well. And imagine how exciting it is, a newly married, you know, new couple and we go to the other side of the world and we get to Australia and it's a completely different culture and we're both PhD students and that was so exciting, and, and to this day, I think it was one of the most uh, exciting things we've done.
1: Very interesting. I, I will share that my wife and I both um, applied to uh, and, and went to our graduate programs together as well, and and we just celebrated a 38th wedding anniversary, so hopefully your, your uh, situation will work out as well as ours has. I, I joke with people that we've got Two two wonderful children, and now their first grandchild, and about three or four co-authored articles. So <laughs> y- you never know how these things work out. And they're they're all she's a nutrition professor, so I've been her statistical help on a couple of occasions. So that's why y- if you look at my resume, not that you'd have any reason to, but I've published in the Journal of Pediatric Gastroenterology and Enterology, and uh, and in a, another journal called Eating Behaviors. So. That's, uh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's, you know, I can be her statistical consultant on occasion, and that's been helpful. So, at any rate, that's very good. Well, I, I love that business experience. I love that story and that sense of adventure, really, because that's what it takes to decide you're going to get married, launch, and move off to Australia. That's, yeah. uh, that's really exceptional. So, from Australia, you move to Utah State. Tell us a little bit about uh, Utah State, what you've been teaching there, and then maybe what you're going to be teaching here.
2: Yes, I had a great experience at Utah State. I moved there in 2016, and I taught uh, big data analytics for most of the time. Uh, so I had wonderful colleagues there, and I, it was a, an amazing experience because the data analytics... Uh, program that we were building there. We are trying to uh, go through a whole range of different techniques and give students some sort of a survey of the most popular and traditional data mining and data analysis techniques. So we'd go and cover, you know, techniques such as regression decision trees, an introduction to neural networks, and some of most of the unsupervised data mining techniques as well to give students uh, a broad overview. And that was exciting because we could see some of these students getting, you know, good jobs and they would reach out to professors afterward and say, hey, you no, know, thank you. I, I did well in the interview because I mentioned my Excel experience and my SQL experience and that's helping in the interview process. So yes, it was a, a very exciting and productive period for me. Why at the uh, Utah State.
1: So, I, I imagine you're really part of our analytics emphasis here. Curious. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what the plans are for your teaching here.
2: Yeah, the, the, the teaching plan is interesting because my res- in my research, I did a lot of work on the IT strategy, IT capabilities, and assets domain. And in the teaching side, I did a lot of work on analytics. So, the teaching assignments, they were... One course on uh, IT, Management Information Systems and Strategy, which is more about the, the, the larger role of technology and the strategic benefits that companies can achieve from technology. I really love teaching this class because it's so close to my research. I actually can use some of my research papers in the class and, and create some discussions based on some of the research that I've done and published in the past. Another class is uh, the data management and analysis with Excel, which is uh, for the online MBA program. So this is an interesting class because uh, you would not necessarily associate Excel with some of the most of the data management and analysis tasks. But what happens uh, with uh, practitioners is that Excel is a you know very popular tool within organizations, and they try to figure out how to leverage the potential of Excel. Uh, so when I was tasked to teach this class, I tried to reimagine the way that class should be developed. In, in, instead of being an Excel class, it will be a, you know, a knowledge discovery class and some sort of analytics class using Excel as a tool. So I'm using a a data mining framework to structure the class, and that framework starts with you know, the business understanding, then you have the data understanding stage, data modeling, data preparation, evaluation, all of that. And I'm going through each one of those steps of a traditional data mining process and teaching students how they could use Excel, for instance, for, uh, during the data cleansing process. Uh, you can do a lot of work with Excel and very quickly clean, prepare the data for analysis. And that takes most of the effort, right? In the industry, data preparation and cleansing, that takes a huge amount of effort. And, you know, data, Excel has powerful capabilities for, for instance, running regression analysis and, you know, looking at interaction effects. So the students can benefit a lot from a class that builds on a framework like that.
1: No, I think that's great. If I understood what you said earlier correctly, you were working on your master's degree while you were working at Hewlett-Packard, right? So many of our online MBA students, professional MBA students are also working full-time while they're getting their degree. So I imagine you would have a lot of uh, uh, sympathy as I did. I was working at this consulting firm while I was trying to finish my dissertation. So I have a special uh, affinity and sympathy if you will for those people that are working a full-time job and trying to finish graduate school. Yeah. Tough thing to do. Tough thing to do.
2: Very hard to do. And in my case the arrangement was well, the arrangement was a little bit different because HP had a relationship with the university too. So they actually became the sponsor for my masters, you know, program and then I actually received the you know the yeah, scholarship from them, help from them while I was working on the project. And during that project, I was working with HP Labs in, the, in Palo Alto and in Bristol. So I, I had a very good setup. They, they didn't put a lot of stuff on me because we were working on specific projects. But I imagine some of these students working full time jobs where they don't have a, a, too many degrees of separation between the work they do in the office and in school. It's even harder. Yeah, so it is. Yeah.
1: No, that's great. Well, well you have that kind of integrated uh, experience with the company supporting you. And then when your studies, you're you're doing projects that both count for a class and illustrate the concepts and techniques in the class, but are also working to solve a problem for the company. That's that's the ideal when you can kind of integrate those things. So that's excellent. Let me ask you just a little bit. We have a very vibrant uh, Brazilian community here in South Florida, and so we're glad to have you come down and be part of that. And I know you said you'd connected with one of our economics faculty who was also, he and his wife are from Brazil. Uh, have you had a chance? I know this year is very strange with the COVID virus and all that, but have you had a chance to get out and enjoy the, the Boca, South Florida uh, surroundings at all?
2: Not much yet. I did a little bit, uh, but not much uh, with the whole moving during COVID. Uh, It takes a little bit of effort in setting up everything. But I'm really excited. My wife and I, we are just deciding, let's just drive around and kind of see some of the, the areas in the city. So we are very excited. So I have a couple of Brazilian restaurants that I'm planning to visit already. So that's particularly exciting and you know being a brazilian and you know I spent almost 6 years in australia so coming to south florida feels like home and it's a, it's a warm it's humid and you have the good old brazilian food so we are really excited with that
1: Well, we're very glad to welcome you to Florida Atlantic University and the College of Business and our ITOM Department, Information Technology and Operations Management. Uh, We think you'll make a great contribution and we're very glad you're here. So welcome to the FAU College of Business. Thank you so much,
2: Ningro, it was my pleasure speaking with you today.
1: To learn more about the FAU College of Business, please visit business.fau.edu.
0: Dean Gropper Presents is part of the FAU College of Business Podcast Network. To learn more, visit us at business.fau.edu forward slash podcasts and follow Dean Gropper on Twitter at FAU Business Dean.